Welcome into another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. I'm your host, DP Sidhu. It's week five, and man, have things changed in the last week. So uh, probably, unless you're living under a rock, you know that we are in a new era of Texans post Bill O'Brien, Romeo Cornell, interim head coach. And the Texans are still looking to get their first win. They're going to host Jacksonville on Sunday. And then they hit the road for Tennessee. Not really sure what's going to happen there with uh, all the COVID tests, but Tennessee and then uh, back home again for Green Bay and then a bye. So uh, beginning of the stretch of the second quarter, you could say, of the 2020 season, and it already looks very interesting. The team's looking to head in a new direction as they look to get their first win in this podcast. We are going to talk about that Jaguars matchup from the Jaguars' point of view. I get a chance to catch up with J.P. Shadrick of the Jaguars Radio Network, and then a guy that uh, many have not seen, but you may see a little bit more of him in the next few weeks, Titan Farrell Brown. The um, Texans signed him as a free agent just a few weeks ago, right actually after the first game at Kansas City when Collie Waring went on IR, and now with Jordan Aikens in the concussion protocol, he may be the next man up as the Texans look to solidify some of their tight end targets and uh, get their offense going. So, what happens on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars? We'll get a chance to talk to Farrell Brown about his background and how he got here. It's a very, very interesting story because he had a pretty gruesome injury in college. And at one point, not only did he think he was not going to play football again, but doctors really thought that uh, they would have to amputate his leg. So, we definitely get into that story, get to know about what he brings to the Texans' uh, passing game and to special teams and what he thinks that he can do Uh, for the Texans as he tries to make a name for himself here. But first, this is the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity, and you can experience the internet that's more than just fast with Xfinity XFi. Xfinity, proud partner of the Houston Texans, proud partner of the Deep Slant Podcast. So let's get into it with Farrah Brown, third year tight end by way of the Raiders and by way of the Browns. He lands here in Houston and hits the ground running, and uh, let's get a chance to get to know him a little bit better. Take a listen. Farrell, welcome to the Texans. Welcome to the Deep Sun interview. I'm looking forward to getting a chance to know you a little bit better. Thank you for having me. It's uh, good to be in some sunshine states right now. The winter is always kind of gray, so I'm loving the sun. Yeah, you were just up in Cleveland, so yeah, I'm sure you do enjoy this weather. Let's uh, let's start with your name. I like the name Pharaoh. I think that's probably ha- has to have a good story behind it, or does it? So my dad wanted us all to have like royal names, and my mom was reading like a book or watching a movie, and I can't remember what the movie was. I shouldn't know, but she was like, she heard it, and she was just like, she wasn't gonna tell nobody the name because you know, like that's always like a fun thing. Like every you, you tell somebody you're gonna name your son this, and they be like, well, I know a guy named this, and he's a jerk or something. <laughs> <laughs> she uh. She just held it, and then uh, she just named me that, and everybody was just, like, shocked and just kind of fell in love with it, and that's kind of how I got it. All right, so do you have siblings that have royal names, too? Uh, Yeah, I have, like, Prince Michael, Benjamin, Queen Mariah. I think I got, like, one of the coolest names. I actually named my son Titus, so it's kind of a royal name. That is a great family tradition. All right, so no one's ever going to forget your first name ever. What about you? You came from Cleveland. You signed with the Texans just after week one. The Texans needed a tight end. Kahali Waring went on IR, and you had some experience in the league. So what was it like? I mean, trying out for a new team is always, I imagine, stressful. But with COVID and all the new protocols and precautions in place, 
What was that whole process like for you? I've kind of been transitioning a lot. This is my third coach actually in a year and a half. Uh, everywhere I've been, I actually haven't had the same coach a consecutive year. So I've had a fourth year, had a coach every year, some two coaches in two years. So kind of familiar just like with the coaches, learning offenses. I've been around a game. I, I, I just love the sport. Uh, so I kind of just studied. So when I came here, this was by far one of the more harder offenses is to learn. But I just dove in and just studied. And it's not more, it's more of just a terminology thing. And Coach Will does a, a great job coaching us and uh, coaching us up. And it's more of a conversation. Like he'll say one thing and I say, what does that mean? What do you mean by that? Then I say, oh, that's that. And he's like, yeah, that's that. So it's more like just learning the language of what the Texans use. That as far as the concepts, it's a it's a lot of the same around the league. So it's just learning a whole new language. And like I said, Coach Will does a good job and has gotten me up to speed. And yeah. And was it weird because with everything going on with the pandemic, you you had to get tested and just traveling is such a is such a hassle these days. And and trying to get yeah. around the city when everything is sort of sort of closed, but sort of not. What was that like? It was kind of weird. I mean, first coming in, I was just like in the hotel for a week and then you had to have like a tryout, but you can't like, you just sit in the hotel and eat three meals a day and feel like a, <laughs> you just feel big and you got to go run around like three days. Now later. I got to do a workout. Yeah. Yeah. I got to do a workout. So I was like, all right, can I go? I'm like trying to work out in the hotel room and stuff. Like <laughs> uh, so that was fun. But I mean, I think it's kind of just been going, it's just been an ongoing process. Like even now with the Titans, we've come in today and got a whole new set of protocols that we have to abide by. So, I mean, it sucks. I mean, let's put it, I mean, every it sucks for everybody. Everybody hate this. I mean, you're at home having to watch it, but it's just like, you have to embrace it, you know, just, just roll with the punches, honestly, because you still got to go out there and play. We're trying to win games. So you just got to roll with the punches and adapt. I think that brings out the best in everyone. Yeah, I read somewhere that's the opponent that everybody's facing this year is COVID, trying to just get past COVID through these this, yeah. through this season. What You had um, a brand new coach in Will Lying. You mentioned him, but then you also have some familiarity with this offense in Darren Fells. You guys had some time together in Cleveland. So what was it like reuniting with him? How well did you know him up in Cleveland? I know you said you bounced around a lot, but yeah. how much of a help was it to come here and, and see a familiar face in him? So, uh, well, we was in, we was there for a full year together. Uh, Darren's a, a great veteran that's been around a lot of different programs as well, and good guy to good guy to get, gain some knowledge from on the field and off the field. So, he said, if, if I ever have a question, uh, I know I can ask Darren, and he'll uh, yell out to me what I got or something. So, uh, I think we got a a cool tight end room. Yeah, and you, know, you and Darren both have play. a little bit of a history with basketball. We we've talked to Darren lots of times about playing European basketball, but. <laughs> I read somewhere that you were kind of a basketball standout yourself in high school. How did you decide to go the football route instead of basketball? One of the coaches actually came to me and told me that uh, I was average in basketball. <laughs> as in like my, oh. not, not my ability, but as in like my, my height and weight. He was like, you know, you're 6'6". These NBA guys are 6'8", 6'10". You know, in football, you're kind of like a – he told me, he's like, you'll go to the league just off your – height you know so uh the money sounded kind of good but uh looking back I mean I probably should have stayed with the basketball <laughs> <laughs> well it's a lot uh, fewer games but uh yeah yeah but uh yeah I actually play uh we talked about it the other day our tight end room we kind of like our starting five <laughs> probably up against anybody's 
You guys, you guys do have a really good, a really, really good starting five. You guys are all very athletic in multiple sports in that tight end yeah. group. All right. So before you got to Houston, before you got to Texas, how much did you know about the city? How much did you know about Texas? Had you ever been here? Do you have any ties? To uh, two of my uncles actually live down here. Uh, I trained down here for like three months. You did? Two, two summers ago. So I kind of been down here and it was kind of familiar. I'm still learning about it. A lady gave me a whole spiel when I was picking out furniture about the, I don't want to get it wrong, they might talk about me. Is it the the cowboy day? I don't know what it's called. They say it's a big deal around Oh, there. oh yeah, go Texan day. No, is that when they do all the stuff here? It's like a big, they say they sell cows and they got the the derby or the hook. Oh, the rodeo. <laughs> rodeo yeah we may not i mean i don't know if there will be a rodeo this next year but if oh, yeah. there is hopefully you're around to see it because yeah that's um that's definitely well, this lady gave me a whole spiel how the rodeo wasn't canceled yeah. and that Largest they rodeo had a rodeo world. and stuff she said it's a well, big thing around here well you you know you're a texan when you actually buy the boots and the hat so once you get that then you're totally a texan i know i think i'm gonna go find me someone we're to a game well, I want to ask you about um, your college days, because mm -hmm. in just reading about you and learning about you, the one thing that really stood out was the fact that you had just a really serious injury in college that you overcame, and that's yeah. allowed you to keep playing football. And it's not just any injury. It was threatening not only your football career, but also there was a, a chance that you might actually have your leg amputated. Is that correct? Can you tell me about your injury and for people that, that don't know about it? Well, at first, when it happened, we thought it was just, you know, a ACL, LCL, like your standard kind of knee dislocation. But then we was at Utah, and I was just like in a lot of pain, caught like a full body cramp on the ambulance. So, you know, it was a, it was a one of those kind of shows. So they, they instead of going back with the team, it was like, well, we'll just send them to the hospital, get them on some pain tolerance. And they kind of gave me some IVs. I was still in pain, and they started like shoot and die. Basically, I wasn't getting laid. So when the die, when they were shooting the die, basically, like they couldn't see it when it got to my knee, and uh, so I wasn't getting no blood from the leg down. So that was like first kind of scene. So the doctors came in, was like, "Yeah, we got to see you in the surgery." And I was like, "Well," so I'm like, "Well, I'm not, I'm not giving y'all not doing surgery on me. I don't know you doctors. Like these, I'm with the Utah doctors, you know. And they like, well, right. we got to do surgery. And I'm like, well, I'm not doing surgery. They told me." All the, everybody else from Oregon flew back. So I was like, well, they say that y'all are supposed to give me medicine. So the guy was like, okay, well, he sent in the doctors like, well, you won't play football again if you don't get this surgery right now. We have to cut off your leg. So then I was like, okay, well, give me the surgery. <laughs> I, guess then, uh, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll get the surgery done. <laughs> yeah, so I, was like, I guess I had a surgery. That's oh, okay. okay. So the surgery so saved your leg, essentially, the fact that you were able to get it done. So the surgery, they basically did a vein bypass because I had slipped my artery. Mm. And when I slit the artery, I was it, it messed up the vein, basically the floor of the veins. So they basically bypassed, stitched it up. And that was a surgery that basically, I had to wait 30 days. So it was kind of like a 30 day wait to see if the blood will actually restore. And that, it's kind of hard to explain. So basically I was wait, I waited 30 days to see if the vein bypass that they did would basically flow, kind of like a Get the blood flowing over, back again through your get leg. Get the blood flowing back you. through that way. So obviously I mean, it did because you're playing football, but what was, how long were you out of football? Were you, I mean, were, I would imagine you'd I be did. pretty worried that you're not going to yeah. be able to play again. So if it was November, I had 
that I had another surgery after that 30 days and I had to have another surgery. So I had three surgeries in total. And then I did about, I red shirt and I, so I did about 19, uh, 19 months of rehab. And uh, I think the, the people at Oregon was fabulous. The people at the Cleveland Clinic was fabulous. My mom, my fiance now, who was I was with back then, was fabulous. And just, they kind of kept all the, I honestly didn't know the, telling the story now, you know the seriousness of it, but when it happened, I never knew the seriousness of it. Like, other than the doctor saying, I got to get this surgery, my leg get cut off. I thought I was good after I got the surgery. Oh, I didn't I know that I was, them 30 days waiting, I didn't know that I was waiting. I thought I was fine. Like. <laughs> <laughs> my parents and everybody else knew the severity of it, but they wouldn't tell me basically. So, I mean, I was just chilling. They just like, Oh, you just got to get another surgery 30 days later. They didn't tell me then that I was like, basically like the 30 days I might've had to get my leg chopped off. Like if it didn't work, I didn't know that until after it worked, you know what I mean? So, so you had a great attitude because everyone oh, yeah. just kept very um scary information from you which is i don't i don't think that's i don't fault your family at all for doing that but now that you know them, that yeah. that's how serious it was i imagine you just have a different appreciation for playing that you know you wouldn't yeah, have had, had you I'm not definitely grateful that. for the game and uh honestly it was just like another challenge uh and i love challenges i love the competitiveness i love people saying that you can't do something even with the injury, it was like, oh, you're not going to be able to play. You're not going to be able to do this. And, you know, I mean, I just love overcoming those obstacles. And it was just another challenge, honestly. And it was just fun because we basically, this, this telling the story kind of gave me chills. When we started a rehab, there was no rehab for it. Like, when you get an ACL, it's like, okay, this is what you do for an ACL. This is what you do for a shoulder. Like, with mine, we didn't know, like, Zach Miller kind of had the same injury and he called me and we kind of talked, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a playbook for this rehab. So it was just like day to day, like <laughs> we'd come in and we kind of like wrote the story on how to recover from it because you'd never seen it, you know? So, I mean, that was fun. I actually live in Salt Lake now and I went there this summer because obviously with the COVID stuff and with everything going on, I went to that doc. I went to that physical therapy this off season because we was basically kind of not had didn't have an off season. Mm -hmm. And the doctor was like, "You're Farrell Brown," and it's like, "Dude, you're like a superstar out here." Like they still talk about your case. Oh or? man, everybody knew it. I walked into like the Utah like hospital, and everybody knew me. Like this is the guy. Like that, we is just about you. that like, gives me chills, but that's really scary yeah. too. That you were kind of the cutting edge for them on on an injury that right. they had not seen before. So they use it like a big case study there with like the doctors for like the jazz doctors knew me it was like kind of weird but kind of funny. Do they know do they have a name for what it was that you had? <laughs> There's no name Horrific for it. It's injury. just the the pharaoh brown injury. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right so what about now here you are because you've overcome all that and and so much in your career and now you're here with the Houston Texans and it seems to be good timing as far as the tight ends are concerned because Kahale Waring, obviously, he's not ready to be mm -hmm. back yet. And then and then we saw what happened with Jordan Aikens getting the hit in the game. And and you've gotten to, to get in some games here starting with week three. But for, for fans that don't really know you or, or don't know much about what you bring to the game, what do you bring to the game? What do you think that you offer that tight ends group? I think I bring just a lot of energy. I mean, I kind of just can do it all. When I was at Oregon, I was using special teams 
my coach was a special team coach and you couldn't start for him at tight end if you didn't play special teams. So I was, I can play on special teams. I was used as a blocker, pass catching at Oregon. So uh, I think I'm just a guy that kind of do it, can do it all, block, give you some stuff in the pass game, athletic and run after the catch, can block. I think now it's just kind of the coaches getting used to me now. So just seeing my role growing week to week, I, the run game has been, we haven't got to the point where we want to be in a run game. So that's kind of been a thing that we need to get off the ground. So I've been using the blocking. Hopefully in these weeks leading up, I can get my hands on a few balls and show the coaches that I can do that. You know what I mean? So you just kind of start seeing your role stack and stack. Went in on special teams and started, what, on three of them this past week. And by the time the game was over, I was on all five special teams. So filled in pretty good there. Got me one of the a nice, easy tackle kickoff, you know. So just filling in, just got to be a pro. Honestly, you never know. I mean, we're on record pace right now just as a whole league with injury. So... I mean, you see guys dropping, you know, all the time. I mean, usually it's a big part of the game, but like this year is just astronomical numbers. So, I mean, you just got to be ready and be a pro and be able to step up. I mean, that's just always the name of the game every year is just step up, be the next man. So, well, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing more of you as the yeah. season goes on because we've seen as you've gotten here every single <laughs> week, we see a little bit more of you as you get used to the offense and get to know your teammates a little bit better. And we, we enjoy yeah. getting to know you as well, Pharaoh. So best of luck through the rest of the season. And man, what a story. I guess congratulations for overcoming that. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little scared that when you, you go to your Utah doctors, they still talk about your case. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Thank you. Nice meeting you. Best of Thanks luck. Thank me. you. Great catching up with Pharaoh Brown. Hopefully we see uh, more of him as the season continues and hope that he can really make a name for himself here in Houston. Very chatty guy, very outgoing guy. So uh, looking forward to seeing what he can bring to this Texans offense against Jacksonville on Sunday. Speaking of Jacksonville, these Jaguars, they got off to a hot start. They beat Indianapolis in week one, and everyone thought, hey, Minshew Mania, maybe it's here to stay, maybe it's not. But they've dropped three straight, and they've got a lot of issues uh, because they have given up over 30 points in each of their three losses. So... Will the Texans be able to score more than 30 points? Or will the Jacksonville Jaguars straighten things out for Sunday's game? They've got a lot of injuries, but they've got a lot of changes on defense, too. And uh, we know who's back there under center, Gardner Minshew. He's actually putting up some pretty good numbers through the first four games. So we sat down with J.P. Shadrick, our good friend from the Jaguars, and he broke it down for us. Nice to have you back, J.P. The, the Texans finally playing a divisional game in 2020. It seems like it's taken forever, but it's week five, and here we are. They're playing the Jags. First well, up on the AFC South schedule. How's it going, JP? It's going well. It's always great to be with you, DP. And, and for the Jags, it's their third divisional game. The Jags knocked off the Colts in week one and then rallied to uh, after a big deficit to Tennessee in week two to tie the game 30-30. to A late field goal for the Titans uh, kept them undefeated in their second game. They're still undefeated now, of course. And the Jags uh, went to Cincinnati last week and lost. So um, here we go, uh, a third divisional game and one the Jags need to, to snap a, a three-game slide all of a sudden, and the injuries are piling up. But uh, it's been, I guess, a newsworthy week in Houston, too, it sounds like. <laughs> well, a very unexpected turn of events in Houston as the Texans are going to face the Jaguars with Romeo Cornell as interim head coach. Not some something we, certainly any of us really expected this early on in the season. And, uh you know, the good thing is Romeo Cornell's got a, a wealth of coaching experience, but 
you know, the Texans also still looking to turn things around. It's still very early in this season. But with the Jags, I remember watching that week one game against the Colts. They came out with a win. Minshew Mania was in full effect. It looked like the Jags were just a team reborn. So now after these three straight losses, what's the buzz like in Jacksonville? You know, what are some of the positives you, you've seen in the last few losses? Or, or what's been the, the reason for the, the skid in the last month or so well let's start positive dp okay let's start with the offense there are some playmakers on that side of the ball that they're very happy about obviously dj chark he came back into the lineup last week after missing week three with a chest and back injury he played very well in cincinnati in a losing effort but he is a a, a dynamic type of playmaker working his way into a true wide receiver one and a, a top tier receiver in this league week to week so that's good um, the big surprise on offense was at running back. Remember, they waived Leonard Fournette during training camp because they were confident in what they saw in the running back room. What they saw in the running back room was an undrafted rookie named James Robinson from Illinois State. Uh, the guy had a, a big East-West Shrine game in the pre-draft process, was not selected, of course, and here he comes in a training camp, and they just wanted to see what they had because there was no off-season program, as we all know. And they get to training camp, and, and the guy's fantastic. Makes one cut, goes downhill. Tough guy. Maybe doesn't have that home run, 60-yard touchdown, take it to the house type speed, but gets upfield, not scared of contact. He's decisive, and they like what he's done so far in the running game. But the whole thing that brings it together for offensive coordinator Jay Gruden is that offensive line. It's a veteran group up front. Every starter at the start of the season was back from last year, so the cohesion is there. Now, Brandon Linder's had a knee issue the center, but they've had a veteran Shatley in there in his place at the center position. But everybody else, for the most part, has played well there. Now, that's the positive. All right. The so negative. Oh, the go ahead negative, with the negative. Oh, I've got plenty of others now. <laughs> I know this is a long answer. Uh, the defense has been the negative so far, obviously. Um, they've given up way too many points. They've been too porous in the uh, run game some. But there's so much youth on this team. They haven't been able to get the pass rush going. Um, and when they – when they are uh, trying to defend the pass, the, the youngsters in the secondary are just not uh, experienced enough to, to have played a lot of football. So you got a rookie corner on one side and Henderson, who's now injured. We'll see how his status is this week. Herndon's a young guy on the other side. The safeties don't have a lot of playing time in the NFL, though they have some years of experience. So it's a lot of youth on that side of the ball and a lot of growing pains ahead. All right, a lot to unpack there, JP. So let's uh, let's get right into it. I'm going to start with Gardner Minshew, obviously, because um, you know the 2020 season got off to a hot hot start with with Minshew. And when you look at his numbers, he's completing 72% of his passes. Uh, you know, he's got more touchdowns than interceptions. He's got 101 passer rating right now. When you evaluate him just through this early part of the season, where do you think the biggest growth has been from him year one to year two? I think the, the thing with Gardner is that he's going to understand a, a new offense. He's got it. Everything above the shoulders is there for him. He had to do it so many times in college, learn a new scheme because he moved like 17 times in college to all these different schools. So every time he did that, he had to learn a new one. So it's his second year in the league. It's now his second offense under Jay Gruden. So he'll have a good idea of where guys are supposed to be, when to check at the line, that kind of thing. I, I think they're confident in that. The thing he's got to work on is that time in the pocket, the awareness of when things break down. There has been a tendency at times for him to maybe tuck it a little bit early and, and 
don't want to say seeing ghosts. That's too aggressive. That's too New York Jetsy. But the um, the idea that the pocket is collapsing when maybe it's not. Maybe you could stand in another couple seconds, find another read, and then go. It's a work in progress. I asked him about it last week, and it's you know you just got to play through it and get more confident as he goes as he goes along. Last week was his 16th start in the National Football League, so. That's the equivalent of one full season, of course. So you have to remember he's still young in the NFL, at least. And that's one thing he's working on. Also, the, the driving the ball down the field is something that I think he's going to have to continue to, to build upon as, he, as his career continues. Because he'll tell you, he doesn't have the strongest arm in the NFL to be able to fire it through a tight window. But you have to be able to make those other throws, and he's done that so far. So he's managing it pretty well. He's got playmakers to, to deal the cards to outside and Chenault and Chark and the running back to, to lean on. So, so far, so good for Gardner. I think it's very early, though, to figure out, though, if he's the answer for the long term around here. That's what the rest of the season is about. All right. Well, I have an interesting next-gen stat for you. Next-gen stat oh. presented by AWS. Um, so Minshew's completion above expected rate is 6%. That's basically that he's playing better than what the numbers had projected him at playing. So that ranks fifth in the NFL behind Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, and Joe Burrow. Now, how does that factor into the fact that uh, you've got Jay Gruden as offensive coordinator? He seems to be getting more out of Minshew than what the numbers were predicting he would get. But how much has what he's able to do changed now with Gruden in charge? Yeah, that's a good one. I, I think, like I just said, I, I think the most of Gardner's games so far has been short. The first week, he was 19 of 20 passing, right, which was fantastic. But there wasn't a ball 10 yards down the field. They were all out to the, to the wide side, and then the guy would make a move and get 20 yards. James Robinson had a 28-yard reception on a five-yard pass. So uh, catch and run has been big, at least early in the season for Gardner. Like I was saying, I, the next step for him, you know, I'd take – 17 of 30 if there's six balls that are 40 yards downfield you know that sounds pretty good to me that's when the big chunk plays come we just haven't seen a lot of that yet from Gardner Minshew but I think the way they've designed it so far is two Minshew's strengths and some of that is outside out to the sideline uh, you haven't seen a lot of deep over the middle stuff as of yet at some point that might come but I think that's way the way they've designed it at least early in the season. All right, you've mentioned James Robinson. He's off to, obviously, a great start as a rookie, 408 yards from scrimmage um, just through the, his first four games. What, what do you think's made his NFL debut so successful? And, and do you think that he might have a more expanded role in this Jaguars offense moving forward? Oh, I don't know how much more expanded you can get. He's pretty much the guy right now. Remember, they signed Chris Thompson in free agency who was with Washington and he was supposed to be the third down type guy and have a role in the offense and, you know, pass protect and all. Well, wait a minute. Uh, James Robinson is, is, is Terry Rubisky, the running backs coach told me last week, uh, the better of the pass protector of the two. And when Chris Thompson's sitting on his backside in the practice field one day after uh, taking up a blitz, he realized, Oh, wait a minute. Robinson has a little more skill at this than probably I do. Uh, but, yeah, Robinson's the guy, and he's modest. He, he knows where he, you know, he wasn't drafted. So he gets that he's very fortunate to, to have a spot in the NFL, certainly in a starting role. So he's modest. Uh, he works hard. Um, and he doesn't, uh, you know, he kind of fits into that, that place, the, the new Jaguar 
culture, if you will, is that what they're trying to do. Team first guy, um, doesn't boast and brag a whole lot, goes out, does his job, and executes pretty well. And a lot of that, as we said, is him. A lot of that's that offensive line that they've come in and blocked very well for, for James Robinson so far. So it's the best start for an undrafted rookie at running back, certainly, uh, really in league history, if you want to compare a few others. It, it has not happened like this in terms of yardage. So James is off to a great start. Well, uh, the wide receiver group for the Jaguars went through quite an overhaul this offseason. I know you and I chatted about that a few months ago. DJ Chark is back. He's uh, obviously um, leading that group in touchdowns. And, you know, when you, when you look at Chark and his chemistry with Minshew, how, how has that gotten better since last year? And, and what does he do so well that just separates him from the rest of those wide receivers? Well, it's a great question because those guys had another offseason. I know it wasn't on the field in Jaguars camp, but they did work out together some in this offseason before that was frowned upon during COVID-19. They did get some work in. So I think their their chemistry, their timing is there. DJ is is the same kind of idea as James Robinson, right? Though Shark was drafted much higher than uh, James was. Um Goes to work every day, has his head on straight, is motivated to win football games and really nothing else. He's not worried about the second contract or any of that stuff. He wants to go out and be the best wide receiver he can be and one of the best in the National Football League. Keenan McCardell is a wide receivers coach here and uh, has a big influence on on how that room is wired. And I think DJ soaks all of that up because Keenan was that type of guy too driven he was a late round pick but had to do everything in his power to stay on the field and be among the best in the league and and that carries over and dj even as talented as he is already soaks that in now he's fantastic down the field he's the best one-on-one threat the jaguars have they missed that a couple weeks ago against uh, miami they saw that last week when uh, he made a, a great catch in the back of the end zone dragging the toe his awareness of where he is and who he's going up against is fantastic. The next trick, though, is figuring out when defenses shade over to his side and fighting through that. Last year was his first Pro Bowl season. He might see that a little bit more as we move forward. But I don't question his ability to be able to work through that. Well, when you look at the rest of the wide receivers, it seems like they're sort of all bunched together there when it comes to receiving yards. So is there a true number two wide receiver or target for Minshew behind Chark? I'll tell you this, uh, it feels like LaVisca Chenault is moving up quickly. You know, there's Keelan Cole is here, and he's had a good start to the season so far. But LaVisca Chenault, a rookie out of Colorado, second-round pick, is kind of the Swiss Army knife for this offense, if you will. There's a bunch of different tools he can use to, to get things done. He's listed as a wide receiver, but we've seen him lined up as a running back. We've seen him in the slot. We've seen him outside. He's taken direct snaps and run the Wildcats. Uh, he hasn't thrown a pass yet, but it's only week five. So I'm sure that's coming at some point down the line. Um, and he's played fantastic. And he's six foot one, 227 pounds. And I was talking to Fred Taylor the other day, great running back for the Jags, long time. He's our post game radio analyst. And um, I said, hey, Fred, he's six one, 227. He's uh, you just, it's a little bigger number than you see from a receiver of that height. He's like, well, when I came in the league, I was 6'1", 227 pounds. So he's as big as Fred Taylor was. Doesn't quite have the, the speed, of course, that Fred did at full tilt. But he can move, and he'll run somebody over. So when you see a wide receiver uh, 
go after contact like that, that's fairly rare. He has the bulk to do it and to carry it between the tackles as a running back. So he's a guy moving up quickly in this offense. All right. Well, let's switch gears and talk about the defense. You mentioned it earlier. It's one of the Jags' weaknesses. They've allowed, um, what, 30 points per game in uh, each, of, each of their losses so far this year. The Texans haven't played the Jaguars, JP, but it feels like a bit of a reunion tour because they've already faced Clayus Campbell. They've faced Yannick Ngakwe um, through these first few weeks. So it feels like a little bit of a Jags reunion tour. Um, you know, after losing those two big starters on the D-line, how have the Jags sort of made up for those losses? I know it's hard to replace them, but give us a sense of what that D-line is looking like and how they've been able to bounce back after, after letting those starters go. Well, they haven't. That's the answer. They haven't played well up front this year. Um, now, remember, they had in free agency signed Rodney Gunter, who was with Arizona for a long time. But he had a heart condition pop up and, and right at the start of training camp and had to retire from football. He's out. They signed Al Woods in free agency, big nose tackle, who was with Seattle for a while, about 11th year in the league to, to kind of shore up the front against the run. Well, he opted out uh, during the COVID-19 opt-out period. So those two top free agents that you signed for the season were just not available this year. So they had to go to the next wave. They signed Timmy Jernigan during training camp, a couple of weeks into camp, and he just wasn't playing well early in the season, so they waived him. And, of course, he, he latched on, I think, the next day with the Denver Broncos, I believe. So they've had some, at least on the interior, a lot of change. Guys that they expected to be around weren't here. And with that becomes the guys that are here and guys they can find off the street to come help. Um, you know, they, they've had a couple young guys come in that have maybe had a week's worth of time with the Jags that are playing now in the interior. But that doesn't help Josh Allen on the outside. Caleb on Chason is the first round pick from this year, the 20th overall selection. Um, they'd love to get those guys on the field together to get some pass rush going. Uh, Taven Bryan's still here too in the interior. But it's hard to get them on the field together when they're not in favorable down and distance situations for pass rush. So uh, that's been a little bit of an issue at times too. I think overall the Jags have done okay against the run, except for last week against Cincinnati. They, they held Derrick Henry pretty much in check. But uh, like I said, that back end is, is tough. And if, if they have to, if they bring extra guys to get pass rush, they leave that secondary susceptible to the passing game. Yeah, and a very young secondary at that. I know the Jags drafted quite a few cornerbacks this year Tough. with their picks. But when you look at the rookies, I mean, they've had a few games. Any, any standouts or surprises? You mentioned Clavon Chason, but, you know, any of the guys that have really stood out to you so far this early on? Yeah, Chason's been pretty good so far. They're just trying to get him on the field more, as we said. I think he had his most snaps in any game last week on the defensive line. And they're playing him as a true defensive end, by the way, hand on the ground. Uh, and we mentioned Chenault. He's been playing very well. C.J. Henderson, right, the, the ninth overall pick, the cornerback, is starting. And the first couple of weeks, he really showed up. His first game in the NFL, he had an interception, five or six tackles, played physical ball, came up in the run game and, and hit guys. And that was something that we didn't see a lot of uh, out of him from Florida in his college career. So that was positive. Then he had a hiccup in that Thursday night game against Miami. He didn't touch a guy down. Gave up some touch, a touchdown or two and a, a couple – it just was not a great all-around night for him. And then he got hurt last week. So let's see how he bounces back from some adversity the last couple of weeks. So, uh, but there is, there is certainly talent there for him, I think, to be able to, to come out of that. Those are the big ones so far, at least in the rookie class. There's, 
I mean, they had 12 draft picks, remember, DP, and there's six, there were 16 rookies on the roster to start the season. So there's a lot of youth to go around here and a lot of guys to choose from. Well, it's a very, very young Jaguars team, and it's been such a strange offseason. I can't let you go without asking you about what it's like not playing in London for the first time in forever. I saw a, recently a story with Shad Khan, the Jaguars team owner, and the contract to play in London is up after 2020. So any guesses as to what happens? Are the Jags going to start playing more home games in Jacksonville? Well, uh, Mr. Khan actually spoke this week. They had an announcement about the parking lot outside TIAA Bank Field, and there's a long-time development in the works. But the window for that first development has gone away. Now, the new window's open, so uh, there will be legislation going through the city council to, to try to get this going, and, and Mr. Khan and Mark Lamping, our, our team president, were involved in a press conference the other day. But Mr. Khan was asked about London and that same scenario you asked about. He said, as of right now, as of we speak, this, this was on Tuesday when he spoke, um, or on Monday when he spoke, uh, there is no deal in place for 2021 and beyond. Uh, and that's, he pretty much left it at that. I would think, though, that the Jaguars will continue to play at least a game in London. I, I don't think that's going to go away, at least in the short term. Now, in the long term, if the development around the stadium's there, continues to grow, there's added um, income coming from that, then maybe you can take a game away and bring it back to, to Jacksonville. So as of now, no deal in place. Wouldn't be shocked if there was down the line once they figure out what's going on in Lot J right outside the stadium. Well, that's such a fun trip. It was our first time in my last international trip. I'm sure it was. The, the Texans played great that day, 26 <laughs> to 3. I'm sure you loved it. Who doesn't want to go back? Certainly, certainly we, we do, but only with that outcome, though. It was, it was a long trip. JP, it's always a pleasure catching up with you. Uh, fun to visit with you. We'll catch up later in the season, okay? Sounds, sounds great, DP. Always glad to be with you. Appreciate it. Love catching up with my friends from around the NFL as we do the Deep Slant every single week throughout the season. And you can catch those uh, in video form on HoustonTexans.com. You can also watch our pregame show where we actually see who will be in, who will be out versus the Jaguars and what the storylines are heading into the game because sometimes those change uh, depending on who's starting and who's not. And as you know, in this business, things can change on a dime. So if you want to catch up with us pregame, Drew Doherty and I will be holding it down from inside NRG Stadium um, out in the stands, I believe in the 500 level this week on Texans Unlimited presented by Verizon. You can catch that on Facebook. You can catch it on YouTube. Um, HoustonTexans.com or the Houston Texans mobile app, which you will want to download. We've got exclusive game day content uh, that you're not going to get anywhere else because I also write stories uh, throughout the game and we have press conferences and all the highlights, everything. Everything you want is on the mobile app as well as the arcade presented by Reliant because you can win lots of fun prizes. So win-win, as I always like to say. So check that out. Check out HoustonTexans.com. Have yourselves a great and safe time here in Houston, whether you're at the game or watching it at home, wherever you might be. Uh, thanks for listening, and as always, go Texans.